It's a beautiful image, light, isn't it? I know, I know it's uh, an obvious thing to say, um, but that, that there is always the sense that we're moving towards the light of Jesus or away. We're rarely static. There's, there's a moving towards or there's a moving away. And in sharing our testimonies, again, here are a couple of testimonies. That in, in one sense, they're both about movement towards the light. Um, and it's really important that we share our stories. We're trying to up our game with that at the moment. So when I say we, that's all of us. We are the family. And so let's keep sharing our stories of what it is to be drawn to Jesus, what Jesus is doing, uh, what that looks like in our lives or those uh, around us. The first one is actually a little video uh, interview that Tim O'Leary, our youth pastor, did with one of the members of the youth uh, group, uh, who's a young man called James, and here is his, something of his recent story of being drawn towards the light of Jesus. Well, hello. Um, I'm with uh, James, a good friend of mine. Um, James, a few weeks ago, you were confirmed at Dean Close Chapel, um, and I had the privilege of being present there. I'd just love to know, um, I'm really just give an opportunity, really, just to share what, what was the journey up to that point? Um, how did you get to a point where you wanted to be confirmed? Well, I, w I was brought up, and I am being brought up, in a non-Christian family. So I found it hard not having the opportunity to learn more about Jesus and the Christianity as a whole. And I only sort of learnt it through the occasional RS lesson or assembly. But I'd say the first time I truly got to meet Jesus is through joining Dean Close and through my friend Samuel and the supportive Crawford family who really helped me consolidate um, my connection with Jesus and introduced me to the faith. Also my godmother who gave me my first Bible and of course you Tim. Uh, all, all these people gave me the unconditional support I needed to be pushed. And then my own personal choice, which was marked by the ser service of the confirmation and baptism earlier the month, this month. Um, yeah, just really kicked off my journey with Jesus. And as part of the serv service, I had to provide a testimony to my belief. And they asked to share your favorite Bible verse. So. My favourite Bible verse is in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4, and it states, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Just because it's so clear, it's not hidden in a metaphor or a parable. It just is there to remind us to rejoice. And I think as I start my journey with Jesus now, I'll treasure the service uh, forevermore. So... Yeah, that was really how I became a Christian and that was the support I was offered from everyone, yeah. Amazing. And James, how as a church family could we continue praying for you as you um, walk with Jesus? I think for me, especially because as I said earlier, I'm not in a Christian family at the moment, it would mean a lot to me to pray for the rest of my family to become Christians and possibly see me going into church every Sunday and a Bible study and everything like that as a as a reminder to them really of what Christianity can do to you and it's not that all that common suddenly growing up in a non-Christian family and becoming a Christian so possibly that they will see that uh, difference as a sign maybe or I just pray for a miracle to happen and for them to yeah see the effect of that amazing and we'll pray that james and um and you know we've got faith that 
your testimony, your story is an answer to prayer in itself. You know, there'll, be, there'll have been people praying for you um, that, that you would come to know Jesus and, and look where you are now. And so we can take that and have faith to pray for those that we don't yet know, um, sorry, that we know that don't yet know Jesus and we'll, and we'll do that. Well, thanks, James, um, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing your story. Hmm. So good. Yeah. How encouraging is that? So good. Obviously, lots more to that story, different strands catch up with that young man. Um, and you know what it's like when you say, oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And actually, uh, the challenge is, will we, do we? I mean, that, that, these stories only happen as a result of prayer. Everything's initiated there, but we need to be praying for but our, our youngsters as well as our older people. Everybody needs Jesus. Amen. So we'll, we'll do that for James in, in just a moment. But I want uh, Kev just to pop up, if that's okay. Thanks, Kevin. Because uh, that, that was a home story, here's an abroad story. Um, we've had this beautiful privilege of being in North Macedonia for uh, a week, somewhere that Kevin knows really well. I think you know that. And without going over the whole history there, we partner with the little charity that Kevin's a trustee of, Mission Macedonia, in supporting church planting and, uh, you know, uh, beacons of light all over Macedonia. Uh, there's not lots of them at the moment, but it's growing. And so, Kev, just give us a flavor of that. We don't have ages, obviously, but just give us a flavor, some highlights of this trip, what you think God is doing, what you're excited about. Thanks, Tim. I was just going to do a quick home one first, though, because nearly 40 years ago, I was praying for a young girl about the same age as the lad on there, and uh, she sat next to me today, Bex, who's going strong with God, oh, nearly 40 God. years later. Bless wow. you. Uh, so, so cool. yeah, Macedonia, wow. Um, first of all, thank you for everyone that's prayed for myself, Tim, and the, the three lads, Hudson, Elliot, and Josh. Um, it's been an amazing time. Um, can you be a light in a country where it's uh, less than half percent evangelical Christian? Yes, definitely. Um, can you be used when you've got almost no language and not an awful lot to offer? Yes, definitely. Um, I just was reading the Pete Gregg book, you know, and there's a bit where his son does a scribble. Do you remember that bit, if you read the book? Yeah. And somehow his dad's got to know what that sentence is. It's just a scribble <laughs> plug. <laughs> and, and somehow Pete Gregg looks at his face and knows his heart and tells him what the sentence is, you know. Um, and we were very fortunate to see many people uh, saved and healed when we were in Macedonia. But we were in one little town called Makedonsky Broad. And to be honest, it's a really tough town. You know, um, it's in the Muslim West. Very heavy Orthodox spirit. It's a very dark place. But yet, you know, we were giving out tracts. We were trying to get into conversations with people. And we were struggling with translators, really, weren't we? The truth be known. Uh, so trying to communicate. So and I decided I was going to go off with um, Josh, who's 18, and Grace, who's a 13-year-old Macedonian, who doesn't really speak any English, but does have Google Translate on a phone. All right? So there's me with a tiny bit of Macedonian, Josh, who's 18 and has no Macedonian, obviously, and, and we're going out there and we're going <laughs> to be a light in the darkness. It's crazy, isn't it? Come on, it's crazy. So we were just doing this listening thing and saying, yeah, let's go up that street, you know, oh, crossroads. Where do we go, guys? Left, yeah, left. And we turn left. And we see this lady who's having logs unloaded. And uh, Macedonian lass goes up and starts talking to her, and we've got this Christian literature and that. And, uh, it transpires that, that she doesn't know God, and she wants prayer for healing. Uh, so right there in the street, uh, I say, well, Josh, you go for it. So he starts praying, praying for her. Uh, and then we don't know what we're praying for. 
um, Gracie puts something on Google Translate and shows it to me. Anyone that knows Google Translate? <laughs> okay, that doesn't make much sense, but uh, we're, something about high blood pressure, something about pains in her head, something about pains in her chest. So I, I, I piggyback Josh's prayers and we pray for this lady. The Holy Spirit comes down upon her, you know, stood by her gate, um, receiving logs of a lorry next in, in Macedonia. And, um, and then she gets delighted because the pain goes wherever it was. I don't know what she was healed of, but there was pain in her head and pain in her chest goes. So she's delighted. She takes the Christian literature. While we're doing this, Josh notices that the lady next door is, is absolutely uh, transfixed on us. And she comes out and wants to give us uh, drinks and um, wants to invite us in. And we give her literature. Unfortunately, enough time to go in uh, and spend more time with her. But uh, you know, I just wanted to just share that. It's just one little sort of cameo, really. Of, of how even though it looks ridiculous, just like a scribble, you know, you offer it up, God sees your heart <laughs> and he, he, he sees your face and thinks, yeah, I, I know what you want. I'm going to give that to you. Here, here's what you need. And, and we, we saw that really day after day, didn't we? Yeah. We did, day after day. Thanks, thanks Kevin. Really appreciate that. Um, no doubt Kev will be around and happy to, you know, say lots more stories, as am I, as will be the, the, the young men who came with us, and, and they'll say something about that tonight. Um, not that it's, you know, all about Macedonia, got to know about Macedonia, it's never about that, but it is about opening our eyes to see a big God who's doing things in his world, and it's very inspiring to be able to do those sorts of things. Um, I think for me, one of the legacies would be that uh, there's something very fundamental and earthy and, and focused about the small, fledgling, slightly fragile sense of the Macedonian church that we encounter, which is, it is all about Jesus. You know, when, you, when push comes to shove, life can get very complicated, but what, they, what they're relentlessly focused on is, people need Jesus. People really, really need Jesus. He is the hope of the world. There is no other. And then having found him, we need to grow in him. That's it, basically. Come to Jesus, grow in Jesus. And, and there's just a relentless focus on that. And it's really inspiring and really, really, really challenging. So lots of stories from there and elsewhere. Let's keep sharing stories. They're really good. So Father, bless us and, and help us and encourage us. He really wants to encourage us. Um, and I feel I've got a little bit of a message sort of in line with that uh, just for a few minutes. And then we're going to really uh, ask God to minister to us and bless us. I, I just love, let's hold this image of, draw, are we drawing nearer? Are we drawing further away? Where there's any element of us which is stumbling in the dark, um, whatever that emotions are around that, whatever the circumstances around that, the invitation is to come to the light. Um, Hills and I you know we have a practice a pattern, part of our rule of life, if you like, of reading a psalm every day together. And two days ago was uh, Psalm 118 and verse 14, which says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he's given me victory. Psalm 118 verse 14. The Lord is my strength and my song, he's given me victory. And uh, it's a really special and poignant verse for me. Uh, partly because uh, my dad taught it to me ages ago, but partly because it was really special in the life of my dad, who, who died five years ago. And uh, he had a great life, but the last five years of his life were messed up with some pretty horrible medical stuff going on and uh, all sorts of treatments and all that kind of thing. And this was one of those verses that he really grabbed a hold of and declared over himself and his situation when he's going in as a fairly claustrophobic guy when he's going into that full body scanner, which is a bit you know, potentially scary. And a whole load of other occasions, the Lord is my strength and my song, he would say over himself. And he, his testimony was that it would inspire within him a peace and a confidence, and he would be reminded of who God is in that circumstance. And it would give him strength and even lead to song. And he'd find himself you know, singing 
dad-like choruses that he used to from Scripture Union years back, and those precious truths. What was he doing? He was strengthening himself in God. He was making declarations that were precious to him. The very same verse came to me. I had a, a low moment. I don't know particularly why in the, in the week. It was a brilliant week. I love that kind of thing. It brings me alive. But I woke up one morning, I didn't even tell Kev this, feeling really, really low, actually, for no obvious reason. Uh, and just about managed to kind of get myself together enough to go, no, I need to declare something over myself. So I, I use this first. The Lord is my strength. I, I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. I don't know what I'm doing today. Feels like we're going into some fairly heavy territory today. The language barrier is a bit awkward and da da da, all of that stuff. And it could easily have pushed me down that, that kind of negative route, feeling vulnerable, feeling weak. Feeling, uh, the Lord is my strength and my song. I'm going to find strength from somewhere else. The Lord is my strength and my song. Him is the victory. And it began to do something in my spirit and to, 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 to stir me into a place of peace and then into a place of action. And that, for me, was probably one of the best days for me personally. Um, we had a fantastic youth gathering. Uh, some young people gathered, and we were able to teach them how to listen to God. And as, uh, whilst the others did that, I was whisked off to some uh, Roma villages, a lot of these very, very poor Roma villages, and 15 you know, folks had gathered around in this very, very poor village, uh, including one visiting man who showed a real hunger for God uh, and ended up um, praying a prayer, giving his life uh, to Jesus that day. And it was amazing. And I look back on that day, I think it could have been so different from me personally in terms of uh, how, how, how I was doing. And I made, made those declarations over myself. And I just want to draw our attention to that today. The way that, uh, because we're doing this series on prayer, and uh, for those who are new to us or joining or you're thinking, oh no, I've missed it, we're having this little pause for a fortnight just to help people catch up. Here's the book. There's still some there. How to Pray, Pete Gregg. We're focusing on prayer because it's the most important thing that we can do to connect with the power of God. Prayer is powerful because God is powerful, so please let's catch up. But just something of a prayer flavor, and I just wanted to remind us that declarations are really important. We're probably that's not news for many of us. In fact, many of our songs are exactly that. They're declarations. Jamie was great this morning. He drew our attention to a declaration, didn't he? God is the God who brings order out of chaos. God, you bring order out of chaos. And he said, let's speak that over this town. Let's speak that over our homes. Let's speak that over our, our families. It was a declaration of something true. But it needs speaking out. And I, I know that we can sometimes get a, bit, a little bit nervous about this. What I'm not talking about, there, there is a, there's a, one end of the spectrum. There are those who, who, who want to speak something as if it makes it true. Any old thing, it makes it true. I'm wealthy, even though I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm healthy, even though I might be sick. And just saying something as if it's... We're not talking about the power of positive thinking here or the, the law of a, attraction, I think they, they call it, or, or some sort of new age philosophy. Just by, just by saying it, it, it'll definitely make it happen. And usually, by the way, all of those things are about ourselves. But the problem is in counteraction to that rather almost witchcraft type new agey stuff, we, over here we can go, no, prayer is only ever about asking. All we can ever do is just go, please God, please God, please God. Please God, may, if, if it's your will, do this, do that and the other. We're all for asking. I, I said here two weeks ago, half of the Lord's prayer is about asking for stuff. Asking is absolutely the root of, you know, the heart of prayer. But there is, there's, there's that place in the middle which is about, no, we, we're going to declare, we're going to take the truth of God's word, the truth of, of God's promise, or even something that the Holy Spirit has inspired uh, within us, and speak it out. And in the speaking, and I mean speak it, I mean aloud, even when we're by ourselves, let alone with others. 
And there's something that happens in that place that is powerful both for ourselves and indeed uh, for the situation that we're, we're, de we're declaring it over, whether that's uh, us, whether it's a, a family member, whether it's a friend, whatever it is. And friends, I, I think I'm inspired to say this at the moment because what is our context at the moment? Uh, we're quite aware of the darkness, aren't we, to some extent? We're quite aware. That may always be true. It feels as though, I could be the only one, but it feels as though there's some uncertainty uh, and there's fear and we're upset that COVID has sort of lifted off again locally and, and, and all that that produces. And I don't want to diminish the seriousness of that in any way. But if we're not careful, the enemy always wants to draw us, um, doesn't he, into the, into the tide of culture and, and just to drift on that wave of negativity, on that wave of uncertainty, on that wave of fear. If the church isn't, aren't the people of hope, aren't the people of conviction and confidence, I don't know who is. And that's our mandate, isn't it? And God wants to put confidence in us all the time, but I, I believe he does this morning. And I just feel to remind us about the place of declarations in that, the place of speaking God's truth out over ourselves, our, our neighbor, our world, our, our situations. I was on um, Cleve Hill uh, a couple of days ago, got back, and... Um, I was, so here's one of the things that, that, that declarations do, in my view. This is what they, one of the things that they do. They create pathways for us, pathways that um, are, are pathways of truth and that help us to uh, shift our mindset into, as, we, as we speak out declarations. They shift our, our, and our mindsets are the key thing. I was on Cleve Hill, and as I was just think, pondering this, I realized that I was on a sheep track, I think. Sorry, Jonathan, you do well to keep up with any of the slides, but there's at least a picture of a sheep track. If you remember one image, remember this one. What are those? It's just that over the years, rather than going from A to B in a random way, what do the sheep do? They go, they follow a path, and then they follow a path, and then they follow a path, and there's something, a pattern generates, and this path gets worn, doesn't it? Sometimes they're narrow and they're distinct, but over time they become broad, and I found myself on the sheep path. I say, yes, this is what, this is what uh, declarations do. Declaring the truth of God over and over. They establish pathways of truth in our mind. They, they help to prevent us from going off track. They help us to, to prevent us from uh, sliding into the negativity or just being random. It's part of a healthy habit. It's part of a practice to, to, to be people of declaration. It does this. Thinking of uh, David in, in the Bible, you know when uh, in the story of David, he's anointed king, but he has to wait his time, as it were, until uh, Saul uh, leaves. And in the, in, in the meantime, Saul chases him all over the place and, and hunts him down. And to start with, he has a bunch of men with him, and then even they desert him. And so there's this story of David going down and down and down and down until he finds himself where? In a cave by himself, a dark place, potentially stumbling in darkness, alone, friendless, vulnerable, weak, that kind of situation that we can identify. Maybe some in the room identify with that kind of place. What does the Bible say that he did in that place? David, I think it's 1 Samuel 30 verse something, David strengthened him, there we are, 30 verse 6. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in that place alone. Now, it doesn't actually say in that verse what he did doesn't explain exactly what that looked like but it is my deep conviction based on some pretty good evidence from the rest of the things that David has given us that what he did was to make declarations what he did was to remind himself of who God is Lord you are you're my shepherd you're my shepherd I lack nothing God you're you're my you're my rescuer God uh, you're my shield you're my fortress you're my strong place the Psalms are full of declarations. 
The Lord, you're my strength and my song. I think he even wrote that one. You're the stronghold of my life. Of whom will I be afraid? Psalm 27 verse 1. David's a specialist in, in declarations. And what happened? He, was stre- he strengthened himself in the Lord. Does anybody need strengthening in the Lord? Absolutely we do. What are we going to do? Kind of hope for the best, try and find strength within ourselves. Friends, I know I'm saying an obvious thing, but this is such a key source of blessing for us, of renewed confidence for us. Richard Wurmbrandt, tortured for his faith in a cell in, in communist Romania a number of years ago. Um, I forget the name of his book now. The joy, it's got joy in it. Somebody's help me. Josie, can't remember. Tortured for Christ, that's right. Again and again and again in his cell, he was repeating truths over. His circumstances were horrific. His testimony and the reason he wrote the book was this man found a joy in God that was extraordinary. How did that happen? Because he was able to continue to, to hang on to the promises, to hang on to the nature of God, to hang on to the goodness of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength was one of the mantras. Wrong religion, but you know what I mean. He kept repeating over himself. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And, he, and that was his testimony. They establish pathways of truth. They encourage our hearts. They end in the, in the literal sense of that word. To encourage. To encourage is to put courage into us, Right? I used to think that encouragement was a sort of broad thing for anything that we said that was nice to each other. So I, could, I, can, I can encourage Anna by saying, Anna, I think you're great and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're natural up here and you communicate really well and you're, and you're a gifted person and, and you have this bubbly personality. That's actually not encouragement. That's affirmation. It's good and we love it and everybody needs affirmation and some of us, our love languages are affirmation. But encouragement, putting courage into Anna is when Anna's feeling nervous about this morning. She's not sure she's prepared enough and the kids have meant that she's not had a great night and encourage is saying, no, God's, God's got this. God has given you what you need to, to do this today. So trust him. Don't worry. He will give you the words to speak and he will use it. That's putting courage into her, right? Do you see the difference? Declarations do that. Speaking the promises of God, speaking the goodness of God, speaking the reality of who he is, his nature, what he's done, what he's said, focusing on that, whether that's about myself, whether it's speaking of myself, whether it's speaking into a, another person, it puts courage. You can feel your lungs inflating, can't you? I believe that's true. It's what we need to do when we minister to one another, by the way. It's part of how we prayer ministry, that what happens up here, a variety of things happen here and in other contexts, but one of them would be Here's a, here's, here's a word from God. We want to pray that that's a, a rhema, timely word from God. But even if it's just a logos bit of core truth, I'm reminding you of this in, this in your situation. And it puts courage within us. And finally, it just enables us. Declaring uh, enables us to partner with the Holy Spirit. As we speak out, and I do mean aloud. I mean, the practicalities of this, I, I wish I had, uh, this was part of my heritage, by the way. My own testimony of this is that this was not part of my heritage growing up. It, this part of prayer was not given, a, given attention. It was more about just asking and, yes, sometimes praying for the promises of God to come into effect. But the, the idea of declaring, the idea of taking biblical phrases or Holy Spirit-inspired phrases and speaking them over myself or somebody else was new to me as I, as I you know, into my 20s, 30s growing up here or you know, continue my journey here. So my journal now is, is fairly littered with these kinds of phrases. And at any point in time, there's probably four or five that live with me because I need them. I'm not somebody who puts them on mirrors. Some people put them on mirrors or fridges or phones or, you know, wherever you're going to see them. Why? Because they establish pathways of truth. 
They encourage us or others, and they then enable us to partner with the Holy Spirit. As we speak out God's word, there's life on it, but not in a sort of passive, complacent sense. We have to do something. We need to, we need to be those who speak it out. We need to be those who declare. And declare, by the way, just means to utter confidently. To utter, to speak out with conviction. There's the Hebrew right there. It's not complicated. To say with conviction, to say with clarity. And yes, to, to bring faith to it. Some of us might be thinking, where does faith play its part? That's a complicated um, th- th- thing that we don't have so much time for. What if it goes wrong? All the, all the what about, but what about this? What about that? We'll deal with those on another occasion. But as we, as we speak out, what happens? We partner with the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel was told to do what? Speak to the bones. Could he make the bones live? No. But he was told to speak to the bones, to prophesy to the bones, Ezekiel 37. That life would come, to speak God's life into them. And as he did, the Holy Spirit of God, the breath of God, partnered with his word, and life came to those bones. It's what we're doing then when we speak uh, order into chaos, like Jamie did this morning. We speak life or, or health or, or, or uh, hope or faith or peace. I had to speak peace into some people this morning, including myself. There's a lot going on in life said enough, I want to minister now. But friends, we're familiar with the stumbling in darkness. We're familiar with what that feels like. We don't like it, but there's a, there's a response today and every day as we, as we choose to step towards Jesus. And part of that, just a part of it, a way amongst lots of other things, a way of strengthening ourselves in God and strengthening each other is to make declarations, it's to declare. And so I just want to commend that as a, as a practice and for us to think about it. I want, to, I want us to minister in that way. I want to allow the Lord to partner with our words, any words that I might have, you might have, come and share if you have, that he would strengthen us, strengthen his church, because we need strengthening at a time like this, amen? The world at its worst needs the church at its best, needs a church that's hopeful, confident, authentic, not denying or diminishing the reality of, of suffering and pain and, and tough stuff, but saying, no, we, we, there's an answer to this. His name is Jesus. We may not have all the answers. We don't need to understand, but by faith, in partnering with the Spirit and declaring his truth, things will change.